guys. Welcome back to the uh, Six Side Culture podcast. Today, I'm joined by a uh, special guest, uh, Carmen from the Napoli Club of Toronto, and also the Philly de Vesuvius uh, podcast. So, what's going on, Carmen? I wish I could say that I'm doing well right now, but really, Danny, I- I'm not. Yeah. I'm not well at all. Yeah, me, uh, same as me. Uh, if you guys haven't heard, or if you guys have been living under a rock, uh, Soccer star and icon, Napoli legend, Argentina god, Napoli god, uh, Diego Maradona, has passed away uh, yesterday at the age of uh, six years old. Uh, it's It was a shock to everyone, especially me and Carmen being Napoli fans and also uh, the whole world. Uh, it's It wasn't a good day yesterday and he me- meant so much to, I think, most of us, even me, who I wish I got to see him live week in and week out, uh, but hearing stories of him, watching highlights of him, hearing what he's done for the city of Napoli, for the country of Argentina, which my father was born in, and it's incredible when you hear people talk about him, even to this day, just being regarded as probably the best player to ever step on the pitch. Uh, so we'd just like to give our condolences to his family and friends and just people around the world who, uh, who are just shocked by him passing. Uh, so Karim, I'm just going to ask you quick, quick, like just this question, uh, Maladona's legacy, like, what does it mean to you when you think of like Maladona? Listen, first I want to say that even though he's gone, a legend never dies. He had such a great impact on the world of football. doesn't matter who we played for. Boca Juniors, Barcelona, Napoli. We all collectively understand and appreciate that Maradona was a wizard with the ball. He did whatever he wanted to do, and nobody could stop him. On the pitch, he was just, he was just unbelievable on and off the ball. And like you said, I never had the luxury of seeing Maradona, but I'd hear stories. Um, my dad would tell me what he was able to do on the pitch, especially in the 86 season when Napoli won their first Scudetto. What he did on the pitch was something that nobody has ever seen before. And his impact on a squad that was always deemed as what's the best way to put it underdogs you can say yeah underdogs he took a team from the south that was always the underdog the people didn't care about napoli they didn't the northerners the powerhouses of the north and the northerners in general would spit on the name of napoli and he came here and he took team to Heights we haven't seen in over 35 years. His, like, he, I never had to see him. I never saw him play. Maybe watched a couple of videos of him play. But I felt like I was experiencing what they experienced in 86, as well as uh, all the way through until he left in 91, I believe it was. I felt like, I was a part of that experience, that Napoli experience, when they won the Scudettos, when they won the UEFA Cup, and I wasn't even alive at that point. He 
to me, is the greatest footballer to ever play the game. He is. I, there's, there's no way that anyone can top whatever he could do. He was successful on two continents, won a World Cup with basically no help. And mind you, he did this all in an era where they were playing in, like, mud, basically. Yeah. Pitches were god-awful. And he played in an area where he wasn't protected by the rules as much as players are protected by the rules today in terms of tackling. They could tackle waist-high at that point. And even after all of that, he was still able to pull off just amazing, amazing goals and amazing plays in general with the ball at his foot. And, you know, I'm still in disbelief over his death. And I I, I don't know. It's just Lupo. Sorry about that. No, no worries. No worries. Like, I, I can't... I'm finding it hard to string together words right now. I can't... I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I'm still in disbelief over it. But... To me, Maradona is more than just a player. He he was a part of our family, and you know when someone passes away in your family, obviously yeah. you're going to be brought over it. Yeah, That's, yeah. For me, like hearing the stories of like my my nonno, my dad talk about Maradona, what he's done for the country I support in Argentina. And the team I support in Napoli, it's it's incredible because seeing the fans, the, and we all know that Napoli probably have the most passionate fan base in Italy, and just seeing what he, seeing those fans celebrate because of what he's accomplished is incredible. And I, I when I heard the news, I didn't want to believe it. And I didn't believe it. And then I started seeing a lot more people reporting it. And I just dropped down to my knees and I was crying. Like, it was just, again, it's being part of the Sinopoli community and also the Sinopoli Club of Toronto. I feel like it's a family away from my family. And together we're one big family. And Maradona's passing. It's like, I feel like I just lost a family member. Yeah, and seeing like just the world stop just to pay their respects to an icon and not just soccer but in the world it's incredible and I can't I just can't believe him it's shocking it's just shocking how life is short and it can take you at any time so for me, I'm grateful for everything Maladona's done. I'm grateful just to be talking about him today, and hope I wish he we just wish he was still alive and with us right now. But I get you can say like God needed him more than we did, and he goes. There's a few times like there's a few videos I was seeing of him like just talking and just smiling because the way. He was with the team uh, when Napoli won their first Scudetto. It was just incredible. The reporter like gave him the mic and goes, interview whoever you want. Do whatever you want. You guys are champions. And watching that video, it put a smile on my face and saying, wow, 
how times have changed and how much of an impact he's had on Napoli. And it's I'm just grateful for everything he's done for us, from the soccer community, from to Napoli, to Argentina, and to all the other teams he's played for. I agree, man. And, like, when you go to the city of Naples, like, every you can't turn a corner without seeing the number 10 somewhere. Yeah. You can't. He is... He is plastered all over the city. He is venerated as a god. And you know what? Rightfully so, because I venerate him basically as a god too. He mm-hmm. was one of my soccer idols growing up, and I never even saw him play. The reason why I like playing in the attacking midfield position or uh, as a striker was because of Maradona and what he could do on the ball. He's like He's one of the people that, first of all, made me fall in love with the game, especially Naupli. And he's one of the people that made me fall in love with the position of an attacking midfielder, the number 10 role. And, you know, now that when you have someone like that who's gone, you feel kind of like a piece of you goes along with them. Like you've, like a piece of you has died with them. And I feel that for the whole country of Argentina, as well as the city of Napoli, we feel the same way. Like when he left yesterday, a piece of their history, went with him but yeah. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you know he's gone forever because Maradona like I said a legend never dies he's gonna live on he's immortal years. he's immortal he, he is and now that we have the stadium that's gonna be named after him which is another fantastic thing that I can't wait for just yeah it's just that's that, incredible just to say I'm gonna go watch Napoli at the Maradona that's like it's basically the same way Ajax did it, where they're saying, yeah, I'm going to go watch Ajax at the Cruyff. Yeah, his legacy will never die. His legacy never die. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it, it was rough. It was rough yesterday. I got to be honest with you. Mm. Yesterday, I had no... I had no incentive to do anything. I just was... I just sat at my desk all day, remaining in shock. I, I stopped everything that I was doing and I just, I, like yeah. I said, and then, you know, my dad was, who was alive when Maradona, well, he was around the same age as Maradona when they won the first Scudetto and he was the one who lived it and he lived through those Scudettos and the UEFA Cup. He was coming back home from work and he didn't really know what was going on. And I had to tell them. And that's another heartbreaking thing that, you know, someone who he idolized too, I had to break the news to him that he had passed away. And just, you know, we were both in disbelief. And I'm not going to lie to you when I say that, you know, yesterday I cried a bit. I did. Like, it, it's irrational for someone's going to tell me, it's just a player. Why are you crying over him? Well, he's not just a player. He is God. <laughs> yeah. He is a God. He is, like I said, the best player to ever do it. And that's not just me saying it. Yesterday I saw a bunch of things um, from footballers themselves that have played with him or even have never played with him. Like uh, Platini. Platini said whatever Zidane could do with the ball, Maradona could do with an orange. Um, yeah. Messi, I think Messi said he could live a thousand lifetimes, but never be as great as Maradona ever was. 
Um, Ronaldo, he, he, another, he, he put on a few words, Pele, uh, talking about Maradona too, saying one day they could, he wishes that they can kick a ball up in the sky. It's just like seeing yeah. the entire footballing community just come together. Even and, like people outside the football community, like say, exactly. uh, Khabib, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Like a few artists exactly. as well came out to pay their respects. It's, again, at the end of the day, it's more than just soccer. He's a global icon. Like, when you I think mean, of, Mar- sure. like, when you think of, like, soccer, you think of Maradona, you think of the Pelés, you think of Messi, Ronaldo. It's the impact that he's left on millions and potentially billions of people. It's just incredible. I agree. And one more thing that I, like, from yesterday that was really nice to see was that, Maradona transcended rivalries and deep hatred rivalries too. Yeah. Where River Plate was sending out tweets about his legacy. Uh, Juventus was tweeting out about his um, his passing. Inter, Milan, uh, Real Madrid, all these teams that have a deep hatred rivalry with the teams that they that he's played for. They all just set that aside. All the fan bases set that aside. All the teams set that aside and just came together to honor Diego Armando Maradona. And the one pitcher that I think for me should win photo of the year is seeing River fans and Boca fans coming together and hugging it. You'll never, any day of the week before Maradona's passing, you have never seen that in your life, a River fan hugging a Boca fan, but just this, like, it's just the power, it's a powerful message saying uh, we can put our differences aside and become one, and I feel like that's, this is what, like, Argentina is going through, even Napoli right now, they're all becoming one, they're all putting their differences aside, and just thinking about the legacy that Maradona has left them, and you should I don't know if you have been watching, God, but you should see the uh, fans celebrating his life in the streets. It's it's heart touching, and it's like it's indescribable how much like it like it, they meant to them. Like words cannot describe Maradona. Like when you think of a word to describe Maradona, it's really hard to just pick one. There's many words that you can use to describe him, and it's rightfully so because of the impact that he's left he's left us and especially on me as a young soccer player and a young Napoli fan it's just incredible like what he's done for me he's done for my family seeing my grandfather in tears yesterday after I broke the news to him it, it's ridiculous like it's just shocking I would never thought I would have to say that in my life to my grandfather and my father. It, I agree. But, you know, like I said, I said this yesterday, but it's not surprising that he passed away because, you know, we know about his personal lifestyle. Yeah. Right in his past. It's not surprising. It's just shocking. That's what it is. I knew the day was going to come. I always knew it was going to come. It had to come. I just didn't yeah. expect. 
and sixty's really young. Sixty is really young. really young. Yeah, my even my dad says he goes say if he was say like eighty, eighty five. I feel like people were they were still like respect his legacy, whatever. But now this is just a shock. It's not like I like if he was older. You people could say, "Oh, he lived a really good life. He had a wonderful career." But six is a really young age, and mm-hmm. just the way like it happened. Because one week you hear his surgery went well, he's doing really well, he's just in recovery, and then the next week he's he's gone, and it's yeah, it's just crazy. I agree, Matt. Like I, I, I don't know what to say anymore. It's just like. Napoli, when they sent out the post, they said it best. They said, you know, every the world is waiting to hear our words, but what is there to say? Yeah. Because there's nothing to say. He is just great. And when someone is just that great, you're speechless. You have no words to say. Then I feel like that's me right now, where I'm just, I'm trying to string together words. I'm trying to put into context or yeah. trying to make people understand how impactful and how powerful he was on the pitch as well as off the pitch. But, you know, I can't. I can't. I really can't. I am just – I am speechless. He, what what he did for our club, and I'm just going to speak for Napoli. I'm not going to speak for the football world because we already know the impact he had for the football. Yeah. What he did for our club is something that I will – Never forget. And mind you, I wasn't even there. I wasn't alive. And yet I never forget whatever he did for our club, bringing us, bringing a team from the south who, yeah, who were always counted out, discarded, and brought them to UEFA, to the UEFA Cup and won the UEFA Cup is, is just, the, the the power behind that is immeasurable, and I like I said, I cannot thank him enough for his ability to do that. I can't. Yeah, even naming, naming the stadium after him is the least, honestly, that we could do for him because he deserves he deserves the world and more than that. I agree, and I get talking from a person who follows both Italy and Argentina. The impact he's had for Argentina is incredible. He's taken that team who you can say practically they had a few players, but he he was practically the only player that would scare you. And taking them to two World Cups and their finals, it's incredible. And I don't think you can thank him enough. Like, it's... Can't thank him enough from Argentina what he did for that country and a lot of players in Argentina growing up, even now, they idolize Maradona. They like you know and that number ten role, that number ten. I'm all in favor. If you're gonna wear it, make sure you wear it with a proud face and you perform the best to your ability every game because that's what. Number tens are supposed to be number tens are your best players, and that number it's it's a leg it's legendary now because of Maradona, and you have to play like a you you don't have to 
what's the word I'm looking for? You have to play like how he would play. Play with intensity. Play with the passion. Yeah, you have to understand what that number entails. What that number what, means, yeah. Yeah, what the history behind the number is. I'm also not opposed to retiring the number 10 in football. I'm not. Because I personally don't think there will ever be another number 10 greater than he was. I don't. I'm going to be honest with you, Danny. I don't think there will be. Now, there will be, you know, players like Ronaldo and Messi. Don't get me wrong. They're fantastic players. But yeah. they're not. I don't think they're Maradona level. I don't think there will ever be another player like he, like, like him. So, you know, retiring the number 10 for me is not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm not. And by all means, I think now you have to, if you're an Napoli, there's no debate, there's no question that number 10 should stay retired. That number 10 should be hanged in our stadium. There should be a jersey, Maradona, with his 10 hanged in our stadium. Or even just make like a, do something for him in the stadium as well. And I, I, I'm to God still shocked that we're making this podcast talking about his life. And it's just, it's incredible what he's done for us. And I'm just thankful for everything he's done for soccer. He's done for Napoli and he's done for Argentina. And there's a lot, but I don't want to make this too long. And, I agree. But there's a lot you can say about Maradona, and even though you can argue, yes, he has his flaws at times. We all do. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. And at the end of the day, people shouldn't be judging others on the mistakes they made. It, they should be judging on the way they impacted others. And overall, Maradona had a positive, positive impact on. 95, 98% of the people he's interacted with. Yeah, so. He's just, you know, when you go from an Argentinian boy growing up in the poorest part of the country. Part of Argentina. Nothing, really nothing to his name or to his family's name. And you become such an international phenomenon. You know, who isn't going to make mistakes? And we've seen it throughout history, you know, whether it's through music or through sports. Everyone, humans are flawed. We are flawed as mm-hmm. as people. No one is a saint. No one person is a saint in this world. And, you know, yeah, he made his mistakes in the past. But to me, those mistakes would would happen with a lot of other people because let's face it when you're put in such a position with so much power and money and fame you're going to make mistakes and he did but that's not important what's important is what he did on the pitch what he did on the field and how he inspired millions of soccer players throughout generations to pick up a ball, get onto the and start playing. He took a sport and he 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 was an ambassador to the sport. He was. Um and that's what I gotta thank him for. 
for his mm-hmm. impact. That's really that's all I can say. I yeah yeah. And you can I'm just gonna say this final thought and then we can wrap it up because mm-hmm. it's I'm getting emotional just talking about this and I know you, Carm, too. Yeah, where everyone's just still in shock and. You can say a lot of, he's done a lot of awesome, awesome, awesome things on the pitch. But there's a lot of things, too, that he's done off the pitch that a lot of people don't recall because they just see what he did with with this, that, and that. But he's done, remember, he's done a lot of good charity work and he's he cares about others off the pitch as well. So I'm just going to say that. Rest in peace, uh, Diego. Thank you for everything you've done for us uh, on the field, off the field. You're a true icon and you will always go down in history as probably the greatest player to ever touch the field. Yeah, I agree. Rest in peace, Diego. You'll, you'll be missed, man. You will. And so I just want to say thank you, Carm, for hopping on. Uh, I know it's not the ideal podcast or just part of the podcast that I wanted you to be on. But I feel like it was just right to take a moment, uh, respect the greatness of Maradona. And uh, I just appreciate it, uh, appreciate it from you, brother. Thanks for having me, Danny. It's It felt nice to get this off my chest, to actually go out and talk about it, because yeah, it's been bothering me for the last 24 hours. <laughs> yep. And Napoli have a game today, so... You know they're going to be playing a little more fired up, a little more motivated. Uh, and it's going to be, I just hope, I pray that they can win the Scudetto this year. It's going to be tough, but I feel like with the squad we have, I feel like we can do it. it, it we don't play for us anymore. Now we play no, for him. It's not even for the team. It's play for Diego. For him. And, you know, one more last thing before we sign off here is the uh, last thing Diego ever said to the squad was he wants them to win one more Scudetto. So let's just hope that this can is the year. Let's just hope that could happen. Yep. So anyways, guys, um, I don't know what's going to happen if we're just going to upload this as a podcast or if we're just going to add this as a part. But this, this, is, um, this is the part where... I can't even speak. I'm just getting too emotional now. Uh, just thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you again, Carm, for coming on. Thanks uh, for having hopefully, me. Hopefully we can talk soon about uh, a more positive podcast. Uh, I hate recording stuff after, like, tragics like this. And he uh, rest in peace, Diego. And once again, thank you for everything you, uh, you've done for us. Hey guys, welcome back to the Six Side Culture Podcast. I'll be joined once again here with Danny, and Joe, and Francesca. Joe, welcome back. It's good to be back, boys. Uh, you welcome know, back, bit, Joe. <laughs> I haven't been on for a couple months, but uh, <laughs> my return is now, and uh, I'm going to see uh, if I could do this regularly. I think I could. 
So uh, expect more of me on the six side page. There we go. I'm Joe's back. back. I'm back. I think the last time Joe was on was July 24th, so we got him back now. <laughs> and uh, it's been a lot funnier with Joe on now, better energy. So, yeah, Joe, go. welcome back. Thanks for having me, boys. <laughs> welcome back, Joe. Happy to have you back, bro. Yeah, we'll bring up uh, Juve first because obviously Joe's back, so we got to talk about Juve. So, uh, Joe and Francesca talk about uh, the last match in Champions League, Serie A, and everything. And I know Francesca has some words for uh, Dybala, so. Yeah, I'll make Francesca search first. Okay, so the game against Cagliari, just brush over. It was one of the best games I saw of Juventus this season. We played with a plan. We played well. We played attacking. We we had that high line. It was an amazing game to watch. You would think the, the Hungarian team, French Vassals, well, however you say the name, <laughs> it would be an easy win. We, we, we beat them 4-1 in Hungary in the Puska Stadium. We're in Italy, in in the Allianz Stadium, you would think, you know, easy win. And uh, with Danilo in the back, falling over, over the, the patches of grass that you would think he's used to now, to conceding a goal early on, we, had, we really had to claw our way back into this game. It's a very ugly game. We dominated the game, we just couldn't break down their defense. With Cristiano Ronaldo and Paulo Dybala up top, they should have been... A, that should never be an excuse with with, with this uh, Hungarian team. Cristiano Ronaldo scored a beautiful goal, and then Marat at the 92nd minute had to had to save Juventus from the grabs of of his beautiful header. Nedved said before this game that Dybala is the captain to 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 boost his confidence and to test uh, to see if he's worthy at the club. And I think after we watch that game, Dybala should never wear that captain armband again for a while. I've said this every game now. Until that stupid contract is signed, I don't want to see Dybala step foot on the, the pitch. Pirlo and the rest of the team are, keep saying it's because he's on antibiotics. It's because he's recovering from COVID. We all know that's bullshit. We all know behind the scenes he's working with Paratici over that stupid contract. And until he gets that 15 million he wants, he's not going to be the Dybala we know and love. So until then, he could sit on the bench with Pinsolio, share a nice cup of coffee, and watch from the stands for a little while. Because Morata, Ronaldo are the starters from not, from here on now. I don't want to see Dybala start against Barcelona. Maybe if Morata or Ronaldo's tired, you bring Dybala off the bench to try, try to get his confidence back up that way. But he, he shouldn't be starting. I mean, he started against the worst team possible he could be playing right now. And, and, and he couldn't do anything. He scored. He almost scored that volley, but after that, it did nothing. But other than that, we got the win. Uh, we got to focus on uh, Kiev, the city. We got to focus on Kiev, and then Barcelona, the big game. That's that's gonna be big. So hopefully, uh, we we get those two wins in Champions League and top the group. But uh, Joe, anything to say? Anything yeah. to add on? Yeah, I, I agree with Pinchet. Uh, the Cali game was probably the best game I've seen in a couple of years. Uh, we really didn't give them any room to, to, to shoot on shoot on net. I don't think they had a shot on net the whole game. Uh, every time we had the ball, it was like we were switching plays with one-touch uh, football, and we, we really played uh, a great game against a team that could upset you uh, away from home and uh, and could cause you problems. And then we versed uh, the team in uh, Champions League. I don't even know how to say their name. Hungarian team will just keep it at that. Uh, I thought it was going to be another blowout. I think I thought it was going to be another four nothing, three nothing win, but uh, we didn't we didn't play up to our to, to our standards. Uh, I think the midfield uh, didn't provide a, a, enough. I think that Benka core is really doesn't fit the system. 
I feel that Arthur is a, is a great player to have in that uh, formation, but he's not a player to, uh, you know, get you those uh, assists or, uh, or those uh, big time goals. I think he's just there to, you know, to control the midfield and uh, he's been very good this season. I think he's been our best midfielder. I also think Rabiot should be starting uh, every game. And if it's not Rabiot, it should be McKenney. Uh, Ben Kakura just, he just doesn't fit into the system with Pirlo and, uh, he's a good rotational player, but I don't think he's good enough to start for us in the Champions League. Um, other than that, I think that going back to Dybala, what Francesco said, yeah, you know, he's been inconsistent this whole season. Uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't really show up when he needs to show up. You know, he's got those two goals, but there's two goals that are because of a goalkeeper error in the Champions League in the away game against the Hungarian team. So I really don't count them as goals because he really didn't, really didn't do much uh, other than a goalkeeper mistake to get those goals. Uh, and I really think that Morata and Ronaldo should be starting. You know, listen, uh, Ronaldo, every game he's been playing this year, he's been scoring, and the same as goals for Morata. Uh, there are two top goal scorers, Ronaldo with nine, Morata with seven. And, you know, until Dybala finds his form, like Francesco said, he shouldn't even be named the captain. Yes, he's been on Juve all these years, but he's not he's not one of those players that uh, speaks up or... Uh, goes to the referee when uh, it needs to be uh, called for. Uh, for this contract situation, you know, they've been going on for a couple uh, couple of uh, long months here, you know, five, six months that they've been talking about this contract. In my eyes, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's about the 15 million, but uh, I think that Juve, I think they want to get rid of him ever since they wanted to do that swap with Lukaku. I don't think that, uh, you know, they really want to keep him at the club anymore. Uh, I think it's... Uh, they feel it's time for him to, to leave and go somewhere else and maybe get the money to spend on different areas of the pitch. Um, you know, and I love Dybala. You know, he's been here at, the, at Juve for a long time. I remember when we first got him, the first year he was amazing. Uh, the second year he a little fall off, but the third year he responded again. So it, for Dybala, it's, you know, it's one year good, one year bad. He's never a, a consistent player that every year he performs. So he's always going to have that one good year, and then he's going to have that one bad year. So we'll see how things go. Uh, you know, obviously he could uh, respond from it and uh, and play to the Dybala we know. But uh, if he doesn't, then uh, if I'm Juve, I consider selling him. You know, I think it's uh, it's not a thing that you need to sell him, but it's a thing that you know, if he's requesting 15 million, he's not worth the 15 million dollar player. He's more of a 10 million, 11 million dollar player if that. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens with Dybala this season. But for me, uh, I think Morat and, and Ronaldo should be starting every game. Uh, looking forward to, uh, the game this Saturday. Uh, I think that Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Morata should be starting again from the, the start. I think Dybala should be on the bench and, and, you know, really get him to full fitness if that's really the issue. Uh, I think Benko Kour shouldn't be starting. I think Rabiot and Arthur have that, uh, midfield already set up with them. And, uh, you know, looking forward, uh, you know, we haven't been playing, uh, really bad this season. You know, we've only lost that one game to Barca when half our team wasn't, uh, wasn't playing because of injuries. So far, we're uh, top four in the Serie A, and we uh, advanced to the next round of the Champions League. So, you know, it's going to take time to uh, to work with this Pirlo's plan, but uh, players uh, are going to have to start to adapt to the system. Yeah, well said. Obviously, if a player's not performing to the level that you think they should be, and they're asking for more money, then they shouldn't get that money. So, yeah, well started by both of you guys. Um, yeah, now moving on here to Conte and Inter. Uh Obviously, coming to the season, uh, I think Marchette touched on as well in the previous podcast a while back. He's talking about how uh, Inter, same thing last year, brought these guys in, Conte, this, that. They're going to be uh, Scudetto contenders and all this. And they still yeah. could be. It's not over. But how it's looking right now, it's looking very unlikely. Inter's been a disaster. 
I'm going to pull up the results here real quick. But I've noticed that he had their 4-3-1, which is four wins, three draws, one loss. Now looking good. Champions League, another loss to Real Madrid. It looks like they're out of the group. So uh, it's a mess for Inter. And for Conte, it's really not looking good. For someone who got all the players he asked for. He wanted Lukaku, he got Lukaku. Hakimi was a big addition, he got Hakimi. He spent the money, he got Ericsson, and now Ericsson's not even on the bench, not like the reserves, like it's the end of the bench. He's probably going to be gone in January, so. At this point, you can't really blame the players, you got to blame the coach, and he's gotten everyone everyone he wants, and it's not working out for him. The only player that really turned out for him was Barella, who I think is probably one of the best midfielders in Italy. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but. Yeah, I, I, I so. think he is the best one. Yeah, so I, I think he's one of the best, if not the best. So, yeah, he's a great player for them. But other than that, the team's lacking. Their defense, to me, has been a very big worry. If you look at them individually, like DeVry, he's a good defender. You got Skriniar, used to be better, but he's still a good defender. You got Bastoni, I think he's a really good defender, especially yeah. for Italy. You saw what he can do. It just doesn't seem to be clicking. I think Handanovic, his time is done. He needs to go. Handanovic has to too. go. Yeah, he's yeah. just... I feel like, yeah, you can argue, oh, yeah, but he's a goalie. He can play until he's like, whatever. But the way Handovic is, you could tell he's declining. He's yeah. He looks like he's always a second or two later to react. And for me, I think Inter should go with a four, four guys in the back and get a proper left back. Uh, if you look at their left backs, it's either uh, Baragi or uh, what's his name? Kolarov. Or Ashley Young at times. Those guys are not proven left backs. And the Biagi went to Fiorentina. Biagi, yeah, yeah. Biagi, uh, Dalbert, Dalbert. That was who I was thinking of. Thank you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Dalbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think he's that good at all. Like, well, like what happened to Asamoah? He, yeah. he left. Asamoah was yeah, left. He's yeah. free agent. Yeah. For Chess had to be MVP. Listen, he's going to go to enter Miami with Higuain and Matuidi, and he's going to be the MLS MVP, boys. Don't yeah, worry. Just yeah. wait. You enter Miami, Miami going to sign all Serie A rejects. We'd be surprised if Florete ends up there. I won't <laughs> But like I was saying, I feel like Inter, the problem with Inter, they got guys, like their fullbacks, they're not strong at defending when they come back. And one thing about Hakimi, and this is why Dortmund didn't end up signing him, and this is why Real Madrid doesn't have him under his team. Attackingly, he's probably one of the best fullbacks in the world, attackingly. But when you can get him, is on the defense. He's very weak when it comes to one-on-one defending, and he's kind of like a Te- uh, Teo Hernandez. Very good attacking, very fast, but when it comes to defending one-on-one situations, 99 out of 100 times, the attacker's going to blow by them. And I feel like that's one thing that Inter are lacking, the three guys in the back. And for me, I feel like if you notice too, like at the beginning of the season, Bastoni didn't play a lot. And Bastoni, I think we can all agree, is a very, very good center back. And he's yes. young too. So he's got the potential to be better than what he is now. I feel like, and I just feel like Inter's attack too, with Martinez and uh, Lukaku, it's a good attack. But when Lukaku doesn't play, or if Lukaku's not playing well, I've noticed that no one steps up. Yeah, Martinez, I agree. You can, I can, you can argue this that he's he's a good striker when it's two strikers, but when he's by himself, he's better off just being on the bench. And I've seen it with Argentina. With Argentina, he's not 
as he's not a good striker when he's the lone striker. He needs a person beside him, someone like uh, say Nico Gonzalez that that could create space for him, or say someone like Messi that you know that the defenders are going to draw draw. He's going to draw defenders in, and then Martinez has space to make a run into the box or has space to create something. Uh, I feel like that's with Lukaku. That's why him and Lukaku are really good pairing because Lukaku's that big physical striker that can create space and draw defenders off and give it to Martinez. And I feel like without Lukaku, too, uh, Inter's attack, they look lost. And I feel like Conte, they, he needs something, too. And he needs to play. I don't know what's wrong with Ericsson. I don't know if it's just he doesn't fit into Conte's style of play. I don't know, like, if something happened, like, if they had, like, a little uh, brief, like, uh, f- like a fight in the locker room. I think Ericsson needs to be sold in January. And if Inter are really seriously considering getting a striker, I feel like the perfect fit for Ericsson could be Napoli and a potential swap deal for Milik because Milik is kind of like a way Lukaku plays. He's good in the air. He can hold off players. He can, sh- like... And he's very, he's physical as well. Uh, just the only question with Milik, you can argue, is his finishing ability. But overall, he's, I feel like in a good system, maybe with a two striker, especially someone like Martinez, he can succeed. And Ericsson can help Napoli too, because I feel like Napoli at times are missing that creative midfielder, uh, like playing the number, playing the number 10 role. So we'll see what happens, but I feel like Inter, I feel like just the team doesn't fit Conte's style of play, and I, I don't think it's the players. I just think Conte's system is not fitting the players uh, at Inter. Yeah, you brought some good points there, and also if you look at their last five matches, they conceded ten goals. That's two goals a game, so that's not yeah. looking too good. If you want to look at the recent uh, struggles as well against Torino, if you guys saw the match, I know four two the scoreline is kind of deceiving, but Torino was winning that match for a good portion of it. Yeah, so. and then they were like, you can argue that they could have been the better side that game. I think they were, in my opinion. Yeah, until the last like were. twenty minutes. So, um, Inter's quality, like obviously, if you're gonna play a team like Torino and you have a guy with Lukaku on your team, it's gonna make a big difference. He had two yeah. goals to assist, but I think their quality right now is the only thing edging them past these smaller clubs, but later on when you're playing a club like Real Madrid like you saw yesterday, they got exposed. And you don't have to beat Real Madrid, but you need to put up a bet a better fight. Obviously Vidal with that red card hurt them a lot, but guy's not uh, the same. He's not the same player yeah. he was. And I don't know if you guys saw what Conte said post match. I don't have it word for word right now <laughs> in front of me, but he said something along the lines of like, Oh, this loss is gonna open up a new beginning and it's like Start winning and it's going to show us like yeah, a, a new beginning to Europa to League. No shit, you're going to start winning. You're going to play teams uh, from who knows where now. You're going to yeah, go from so. the Champions League to Europa League. You better hope you start winning. Yeah, yeah I don't like, like he said though. He's like, oh, shows a path to winning. Like, how about uh, the other five matches? Why didn't they show you the? How and I feel like I feel like Conte, he always says something. Like I get it, like as a coach, yeah, you don't want to put your, you never want to put your team down because that's. But sometimes, like when you say stuff like this, like. It's like it's always like when Inter lose and they interview Conte, he either, he either blames oh we don't have the right players this that that, or he just says something stupid like this. Yeah, he always says like, something. Like, yeah. like it's like it's like as a coach, like take responsibility, please. Like you can't yeah. blame the team. And I think he knows now that he can't complain about the team anymore. So now it's trying to kind of like deter the situation to like oh okay now we're gonna improve from this point on. How about the other five games? Like, that's what I keep saying, but like, 
you know what I mean? I think Conte and Inter is not going to end well. I think no. we'll probably be the last season we see him. I don't think they'll stack him mid-season. Like you're paying him that no. much, you're not going to sack him. It they, depends they where they really finish. I could see, I could see them say if they don't finish top four, hundred percent he's sacked. Yeah, at, at the end of the year, I think he'll be sacked. Even if they do I'm finish sure. top four, I think if they finish fourth place but get out of Champions League, even if they make, if they get to Europa League, even early in Europa League, I can see him getting sacked. If Conte doesn't win that Europa League, he's getting sacked. If he doesn't win a trophy, he's getting sacked. Hey, if they make the Europa League, they're in fourth place right now. Remember that, they too? Are. Uh, yeah, they're, they're in third. Yeah, they're, they're fourth. fourth. They're last. They're not in Europa League right now, so. Cool. If they make it. But, yeah, it's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, Joel, from Chad, anything you want to say about Conte to add on to that? Yeah, I don't think um, he's the right man for Inter. I don't think he's the right man. I think his formations are the three five two. I don't think works out. I think the three in the back. You know, he's playing D'Ambrosio center back. Uh, I think that uh, <laughs> can't even play right back. Yeah, he's more of a he's more of a right back, right wing type of player. I think that them selling Goldine was a bad, uh, a bad. Uh, you know, he's not the player he used to be, but at least he has brings that leadership and he brings that experience in the back there. And he can help out players like Bastoni and De Bruyne and and Skriniar. But you know, other than that, uh, you know, I think that Conte doesn't win a trophy this year. Uh, I think he's going to be sacked. I think $11 million for a coach that, you know, hasn't really done much for Inter since he's came here. You know, he's made them bring in, he's made them uh, make Champions League the, the years, but out of those years last year, uh, he went to Europa League 2 last year, no? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he went the to final Europa loss in the final. Yeah, he did. He made it to Europa League 2 last year, and this year, you know, you, you really can't have, you know, sometimes the uh, Italians, you know, they, they go for other teams for Champions League, so our, our league uh, gets more views and gets more, uh, more appreciation, but you know, if you're Inter, you know, they're all two and two, you know, in, in, in a group where really them and Madrid are the, the, the top teams. And Madrid is not the team that they used to be. You know, listen, they, they have, Mod, you know, you could say Modric, Cruz, but players they used to be. And then they uh, have, like, players in the top, you know, Hazard that, you know, he's not the player he used to be. You know, they have all these players that, are, in my opinion, are either overhyped or, or overrated or yeah. they're not the players they used to be. But, you know, if you're Inter, you know, Yesterday was a must-win game. They had the win yesterday, and and they didn't show up. Uh, Vidal got that stupid red card. You listen, if you if you think it was a penalty, you know you can argue that, but just don't go back to the referee. And that was just plain stupid from him. He ruined the uh, the whole uh, the whole game for Inter. Uh, I actually agree 100% with what Danny says. If Lukaku doesn't show up, then you know nobody else steps up and provides anything for the team. Uh, you know Lukaku was a great player yesterday. He, he he really didn't play the the best soccer that he could. Martinez, I think, I think Martinez is a very overrated soccer player. You know, he yeah, pops up. Yeah. He, he's another Dybala that pops up one out of five games, and then he's uh, quiet for another another ten. Uh, you know, if you know, you have to ju- they have to just uh, see what happens. You know, if they could get lucky and win these these games and see what the other teams do in the Champions League, maybe they can make it. But you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that uh, they will end up in Europa League and. Uh, and, uh, and and if Conte doesn't win this year, I think he's going to get the sack. Yeah. And, Joe, I like how you brought up Lautaro because Inter rejected $110 million for him from Barcelona. From Barcelona, yeah. Huh. They should have accepted that. So I don't uh, know what they were I, thinking. I think, I think going back, I think Barcelona skipped the uh, – what's what's that line? I don't think they, uh, they, they, they dodged the bullet, yeah. Bite the bull- yeah, dodged the bullet, yeah. They dodged the bullet. And Inter looking back saying maybe we should have accepted. And even for, like – I'm going back to like even watching them on Argentina, like guys like Dybala. Uh, I can't even blame Dybala because he doesn't play too much. 
But like even Martinez, I'm not impressed with him. He misses a lot of easy chances that uh, like strikers usually finish, and he's not like he's invisible most of the game. Like it's like 80 minutes, and I don't even hear his name. A lot of in soccer, you know, a lot in soccer has to do with mentality. When your mentality is not there, you know, you're not going to perform. Yeah, uh, and I think and sometimes, like, and then sometimes too, I just think certain players benefit on certain styles and certain formations. Yeah, like Morata. So, yeah, like, Morata. Yeah. These, these last two, these last two three years, he's been uh, garbage. You know, and now for Juve, <laughs> he's, he's one of the main guys. For Spain, he got the call up, and now he's their number nine. He did good at the Spain with the national Nations League there, and you know, for Juve. He's uh, scoring, assisting every game. He's top of the yeah, Champions League. He has confidence back. Yeah, yeah, so in soccer, you need confidence. Uh, players like Dybala, Martinez, they have yeah. no confidence. And then after a while, you know, they start declining. And, uh, confidence is a key factor for soccer. But I think also, too, another key factor, like especially for, like, strikers, is just formation and the players around them. Like, I feel like, I feel like Inter, they're, they're missing something. They can not attack, like a creator or something. They're missing yeah. a midfielder. They're missing a midfielder. They have, they have, what, I, but they have Ericsson, though. That's what gets me. Like, they have Ericsson, who can become a creator, who become, who could become maybe the best creative midfielder in Italy. Ericsson, he doesn't play. He doesn't fit the Serie A system, because Serie A is more of yeah, a slow place league. In BPL, he was good because it's more fast place. He was switching the balls. He was, the guys were running. And Serie A, it's, yeah. more, it's more slow. You know, you get the it's ball. It's more build-up. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah build up. Ericsson uh, doesn't fit it. When Erickson was known for us playing the ball in behind, when said, yeah, it's really hard to get in behind because the lines are so deep, the defensive yeah. line. Yeah. yeah. So he can't really do that. So I yeah. feel like, you know what, though? I feel like Erickson on the team, kind of like, I know this is going to sound weird, like Napoli, I think he'll do better because we got players that can get in behind. Yeah, someone like Olsen might help him out. But with Lataro, this is <clears> a hot take, but to me, I think his ceiling is being a player like Belotti. Belotti is someone who works hard and a decent finisher, which I think Lataro is probably the best to end up being, honestly, kind of like a Belotti. I feel like maybe if he goes to the Prem, like a league that's more open defensively, he might have a chance to you know get some balls in, kind of like a Aguero in a way. Nowhere near yeah. his talent level, but, you know I mean, kind of like a poacher in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, said, sure. yeah I can't see Lataro doing much. Like he, he's kind of like a Jimenez, you could say, like a Raul Jimenez. Yep. He's going to end up at Manchester United, Lataro. <laughs> yeah, they have money and they get rejects. Yeah. So. <laughs> Cavani, Cavani and that other Chichulo is going to leave. And then, uh, <laughs> Which one? Rashford? No, that, that guy from the, the game from the Chinese Super League, whatever his oh, name is. Oh, Aglahor or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Oh, like, Igalo. I never heard of that yeah. guy. <laughs> was that? He's some Nigerian guy that went to United. Uh, uh, Igalo, exactly. I think. Igalo, Igalo. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah Igalo, yeah, yeah. Just remember, the team he that came guy. from, Stefano Kaka played there, too. Wofford. Oh, Kaka. guy played for the national team the last week or something. That was... Oh, Kaka. Good for him, though. Like, you know what? Like, good for him. Like, all these guys that get called up, I know we always, like, say why they called up. You got to be... The applause to, like... He almost scored. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been nice. I remember him at Roma, Kaka, a long time ago. Yeah. It's, it was... It? Wow. No, I just saw the Roma starting lineup. You guys are hearing now the Roma game. Spinatola yeah. makes you a center back. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? You, oh, you want to hear Napoli's lineup? Oh, oh my god. Here. Yeah, this is this one's a weird one. I got what? another. I got another. I got another take for you guys. Let's hear it. I I I have a feeling this is going to happen. So 
you know, all, all of us, you know, we know that Maradona passed away yesterday. Six okay. years old, one of the greats of soccer. Uh, I have a feeling that Napoli is going to go on a, on a, on a big tear now and say, not only in Serie A, but in Europa League. I think that they're going to, they're going to catch fire and they're, uh, they're going to keep winning and winning. I can see that 100% happen. happening. Yeah, for sure. I, I think they're going to, yeah. I think that they're going to turn up. It's funny you, uh, you mentioned that joke. I was talking to my dad, who's also a Roma fan last night. And, um, all week he's been telling me, oh, I think we can beat Napoli. Watch him against Milan. A lot of weaknesses there. Bakayoko's out. And I went up to him yesterday. I'm like, well, Maradona, like, obviously his passing is going to motivate him. You know, got two, so he's really good at motivation. Yeah, I'll probably use exactly. Maradona, bring him up. So I'm like, I'm more concerned about the Napoli game now on Sunday. For, and it's also at the San Paolo. So yeah, Napoli's going to be, uh, cause that's some energy you can't get from anywhere. That's something that's special. And yeah. it's like, it doesn't come often. So when you lose someone like that, and um, sort of sport and as, as a person and as an icon in the city of Naples, it's going to be hard to overcome that uh, energy Napoli's going to have. So I think if Gattuso, as long as he doesn't run the players into the ground, because they're humans, not invincible. If you keep playing the same starting lineup and yeah. they're playing hard all game, you, you still got to manage them. But if Gattuso can manage them well, I think this can be a huge turning point for Napoli. Yeah, 100%. I, I hope so too. As a, as a Napoli fan, uh I covered this uh, earlier with uh, one of my friends from uh, the Napoli Club Toronto, Carmen, the uh, founder of the club. Uh, we just went on about Maradona's legacy and stuff. And I think uh, I'm praying that Napoli, like even if they don't, like I don't want them to play for the fans no more. Like just don't play for like the city. Play for Diego. Just play for like the legacy he uh, he left us. And that's all I can ask for. Uh, I'm hope if they can win the Scudetto, that would absolutely be amazing. Remind me of like what the Lakers did with Kobe, and like Enzo said, Gattuso is a great motivator. And speaking of the changes, he just made a lot of changes to today's lineup. Uh, Maletsinet, Dinorenzo, Maximovic, Kulubali, Gulam, Demi, Bakayoko, Politano, Zelensky, Almas, and Petania. One person I I think that you can look out for to have a big game could be Koulibaly because of what Maradona meant to him. And seeing Maradona hold that Koulibaly jersey when uh, he scored the goal against Juventus, it can mo- it's going to motivate a player like Koulibaly. And you know he's going to play to the best of his abilities. Even guys like Insigne and Mertens, they're going to play to the best of their abilities. And it's just emotional, just shot, also sh- shocking that it's just how life is short. And just hope, take, uh, live your life day by day, minute by minute, because you might not get the next. And hopefully, Napoli can uh, perform really well the, throughout the rest of the season. And I would love to see uh, a Scudetto this season. Yep. Uh... Yeah, I think had a, I had a mini heart attack. Uh, Juan Jesus, Cristante, and Spinazzola are center backs for Roma today. So. <laughs> My God, that's going to be an interesting game. We're going to lose their first game of the year, probably. I'm not counting Spinazzola that all. Spinazzola is going to carry you guys. It's okay. Yeah, Spinazzola at center back. Oh, my God. I think our average center back height is like 5'11", 6 feet right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, to, to wrap up, I want to talk about Atalanta-Liverpool. Big win for Atalanta. What a win. Huge. Even though Liverpool was shorthanded, it's still a big win for them in their hunt to uh, make it past the group stage once again, like last year. So, uh, What are you guys thinking about that match? Uh, Dan, you want to start off? 
Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give out a lot to give out a lot to credit. Like they, yes, you can say you can say, oh, but Liverpool is undermanned. It's still Liverpool. All these guys that play for Liverpool, they're good players, man. Or else they wouldn't be on the Champions League team. No, but pre- other 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 players practically played. But their defense, though, their defense was yeah a little man. weak, but. Still, you gotta give Atalanta credit. They uh they showed their quality, uh, especially because it's at Anfield, and a lot of players. When you go to Anfield, you get that little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the like butterflies, goosebumps. Yeah. So, I feel like Atalanta they didn't care about that. They gave Liverpool a run for their money, and they ended up getting three points. Yeah, and like you can't really blame. Like Atalanta for Liverpool not being the starting lineup, like they're gonna do their job. Yeah. Not gonna say, oh, you know, the starting lineup, let's not play the game. Like they're gonna do, they gotta do what they gotta do. Yeah, they gotta get the and three points, and which they did. It's a big three points because they're in a tough, they got a tough team in Ajax too, who they have to compete with. Yeah, exactly. And if if you look right now, I'm just looking at the starting lineup that played yesterday. They had Mane, they had Salah, they had Wijnaldum. Milner played a lot of important games. They had their backup keeper Alison Becker in. So. <laughs> And then mm-hmm. they also brought in Diogo Yota, who who's been was, phenomenal. Who was there for, yeah, he was on when the second goal happened. Fabinho was on when the second goal happened. Andy Robertson was in for a second goal and it happened. Firmino was in on for a second goal and it happened. So that's like that's a lot of starters. Their defense is really weak. So yeah, just new defense. Yeah, they all got subbed on literally right after the first goal. Like so, um, yeah, I got to credit Atalanta and. They tra- all, there's no fans, right, obviously, but they still have to travel to Anfield. And they had, had a tough game this past weekend, too, against Spezia. They couldn't score, so you would think their mentality would drop and their morale, but they did it. They got a 2 nothing win. And, yeah, it was important for the quest now. now. Now third in the group, here they're tied with Ajax. Ajax plays Liverpool, and then Atalanta played Mitteland. So that's a game they're probably going to win, and they should win. And they have a good chance. They got Midtjylland in the big final game against Ajax. So that's going to be the very important game, the last one of the, of the group stage. If they can beat Ajax or even draw them, they'll be in a good spot. But they need yeah. Liverpool to beat Ajax. I think they I think they can get into the knockout stages. Yeah, I think they put themselves in a really good spot now. If they lost that Imagine game, then it would have been done. Yeah. Imagine the teams they top the group over Liverpool. <laughs> mm. Don't count that out. Like, it's, it's a possibility. Soccer. It's a really soccer. big possibility. I don't know. It'll be tough. But it's possible. You never know. Yeah, we got to be proud of Atalanta. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that game? Yeah, listen, you know, they've been one of the best teams in the world. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if uh wasn't playing or half their team was playing. You know, listen, they're still Liverpool. They're still the, one of the best teams in the world. Uh, you know, Firmino, Salah, uh, Jota, you know, all these guys were playing. Uh and they couldn't get a goal past uh, that Atalanta defense. Uh, that group is really, really tight, actually. Actually, let me see here. Yeah, see, Liverpool nine points, Ajax seven points, and Atalanta seven. So at the end of the day, any of these three teams could go to Europa League, uh, depending on what happens. Uh, big, uh, big win for Atalanta, and uh, you know, you can never, t- you know, when they're on their game, they can beat any team in the world. And uh, you know, yesterday I proved that again. Yeah, and the world's finally getting to see what we all see. Atalanta, week in, week out, they're a tough team to beat, and they can beat anyone on their day. So, good to see. And I think a big difference, even though we didn't have to do too much, was Golini. Last game, Golini didn't play against Liverpool. I think Golini is a 
a really good keeper, and I wouldn't mind my role model being a new keeper. So I was happy to see that from Golini. Got a nice clean sheet in the Champions League, so happy for him. Young Italian keeper. But he'll never be a starter. We got Donnarumma. That guy's not going to get replaced ever, I don't think. So No. That'll be really hard for that to happen. Uh, yeah, to wrap it up, really, we covered everything. Uh, we want to thank Carmen for hopping on. I'm sure Danny, because <laughs> I didn't hear the clip yet, so I'm going to edit it. Yeah. But, uh, Danny spoke to Carmen from the Napoli Club Toronto about Maradona and his legacy and uh, what he meant to the city of Naples and Argentina. So, And even just uh, the football world. like it's The football world, uh, world in general. You can tell he was not just a soccer icon, but he was a world icon. When yeah, you see guys sure. like Mike Tyson post for him, uh, Khabib, McGregor, so many other athletes as well. And even guys like Rest His Soul too, Kobe even said in an interview saying that uh, when he was in Italy, one person he idolized was Maradona and he yeah. would watch him every week uh, for when he was on Napoli. So hearing that just made me like, gave me like uh, butterflies in my stomach just hearing that, just like how much he meant to the world. And it's just sad that he's uh, gone from it now. Yeah, uh, I've gotten to watch some clips. I watched the full game a few weeks ago of uh, Maradona against Juve. And out of all, like any player I've ever watched, he's the closest to looking like he's walking on water when he's dribbling. Like his yeah. the ball wouldn't move from his foot, which is incredible. So he had he had the ball like on a string, you can say. Yeah. Wow. If you guys have time, watch what Gary Lineker had to say about uh, Maradona and like just his experiences with him. And one thing that caught my attention is when he was doing a warm-up and he kicked the ball. like It was like he kicked the ball straight up, controlled it, kicked it up again, and he did it 13 times. It was just incredible. Yeah, what a legend. We're going to miss him. We're happy for all the moments he brought to everyone, and he changed the sport forever. So thankful for him. And our condolences once again. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week. Joe, hopefully we'll see you next week too. Yeah, hopefully I'll be hopefully I'll be back, boys. Hopefully it's not another <laughs> another four or five months that I'm on the episode, but <laughs> but uh, I promise you all that uh, I'll be back uh, more than ever. Yeah, we got Joe back. He's like the Undertaker comes in. I came back. Yeah, I came back. You thought you were uh, you thought I was done. I came back. I'm WrestleMania. <laughs> WrestleMania. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> we got Joe back. He only comes back for bangers. Whenever he comes, uh, the views go up. So <laughs> we got Joe back. And yeah, we'll speak to you all next week. Go check out our Instagram, Six Side Couch, or Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Other podcast platforms, Spotify, we got YouTube, everything you guys know. It's all in the bio and description down below. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, guys.